algorithm's going to pick up this song and boot, boot it off. But it's so good. Who is it? My man, my man. So that is my first experience with jazz in a thoughtful, meaningful way. This would have been in huh. 2006. And so people can hate on it, but it was Nora Jones, Nightingale. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's ama- she's amazing. She's she is, amazing. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't mind saying that uh, I don't have to have super particular specific tastes to be cool. <laughs> no. She's worthy. I mean, everyone comes into the world with, with taste. I mean, taste, you know, we can, we can do a lot with that word. I mean, makes me think of like babies for milk. It's like you come in with taste, like you, you have to taste your way into being okay. You know, of course, like you're not conscious of it as a, as a little newborn, but it's like you, you come in with a a taste for survival and you have no choice, but to like, let yourself be nourished by the environment. Dude, I love the analogy. I mean, and that's like, I'm still, I, I can also say this. I'm still not over that song. The guitar riff that those chords can make me feel what they feel. Like, that's what I want. I want to help people feel something. Mm. And the way that she sings that, all the voices, you know, and it's this idea of, okay, there all those voices are there outside of me. There are voices inside of me. Don't be scared, people. These are the jazz sessions. Mm. <laughs> um, you get it, man. You get it. Well, that's, I mean, it's like we're always seeking outer voices, inner voices fit, yeah. right? Like if we can find that, we're okay. Yeah. So it's becoming okay. It's, it's not that it's not about money and finance and like weaving yourself into the system. It's that those are just low bandwidth frequencies that the music really is, right? Yeah. There's a good quote from the poet T.S. Eliot. We are the music while the music lasts. Mm like your heartbeat, right? You feel yours. I feel mine. It's like, this is what church was. This is what family was. This is what community and tribe was. And it, it still is right. I feel like my life is a living hell until I talk to you again. Mm. Honestly, that's what I feel from these courage sessions is like, this is the church I need. And when I come back to it, I'm like, why was I separated from it? Why have I kept myself away? Why, why can't every day and every hour of the day feel like this rather than frantic scramble against nature, against winter, against odds, against programmed bureaucracy, blah, blah, blah. Like, why can't it just be this? Wow. I can't wait to hear as you pull that thread more, what shows up for you, what it reveals. Uh, and for those listening, I think just context real quick. These are the courage sessions. This man on the other side, GP Lewis on the socials, had the graciousness to agree to this this experiment and committed to six. Six times showed up, and this is the sixth one. And so why we're doing this and what I wanted to do in inviting him on here was Jeff's voice to me represents a purity of someone who is in the throes of expressing and wrestling. So there are a lot of people out there that are wrestling privately, quietly. Mm. There are some people that are express. You're doing both 
and you're doing it publicly. And so I hope that people follow along and they listen and they they not only seek you out, but also those that you would mentor from afar uh, because it's not enough. There's a lot of voices and we need one more voice helping us find the way. Hmm. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, voices, voices. I mean, I, I mean, I think the internet and our content creation tools are good because they, they weed out the people who see, and like, I don't want to insult anybody. Um, I mean, it reminds me of another Bill Murray quote I sent you yesterday when, when he's talking about, I believe he's talking about second city in Chicago, which was a comedy club, but really like a, a place, a scene for a lot of young comedians, you know, mm-hmm. and I wish I did my research before shooting my mouth off about this, because I think there were several legends who went on to like Saturday night live and, you know, went to have careers as comics. And it's like, they all met there at this one comedy club. Um, and I think what, what he said was, you know, it gave a lot of great people their start and it weeded out a lot of mediocre talents who are now doing the jobs they're made for. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which I think I, is just, no, no, go ahead. No, I, I think the weeding out is uh, not a negative because mm-hmm. like he said, yeah, it, it, it's them being honest in some way about where they're at and what's happening. So I had an experience like a second city in 2010 with like 30 or 40 other people who were going to pursue their dreams for a year. Uh, and we connected and, and the whole thing. I think there are like two people still one's still working their dream. One is kind of working it. And I'm the one, I mean, it's like not, Uh there's possibly somebody else. I don't mean an arrogant way, but they were fleshing out something that was going to lead them to what was next. And that's okay. You know, those are, those are part of the progressions, but yeah, second city. So this'll, this'll be some fun notes to throw out there and see what it strikes up. I had, I, I grew up in a context where you could not acknowledge suffering. To acknowledge <laughs> suffering was to not be a person of faith, right? And so I get married to somebody who is expressive to the hilt. For anybody that are that are out there, and I, I'm not saying all this holds true, but for anybody that's out there that gets this stuff, my daughter thinks it's interesting, uh, so therefore I'm interested. My <laughs> wife is... All of her like astrology stuff, it's all water signs, all three. So what that means is they feel it and express it. And then you have me who's like, no, but to express something negative isn't healthy and you know, whatever. And and our relationship has transformed me so much. You know, anything good, I feel like I've learned so much from her and my my kids. But here was the thing. What helped me a ton? You made it weird, Pete Holmes podcast. Mm. I don't, have you ever listened to his podcast before, by chance? No, Pete Holmes. He's the you made Remind it weird. He's so he's got. Uh, he had a show on HBO. He had. Uh, he's got a book out now. But the first thing that he kind of did that blew up even more than his comedy was this podcast where he, as a comedian, interviewed other comedians. Mm-hmm. And I would at the time have. Tons of time driving, and I was super deep into trail running. And so 
I, I remember, I remember one summer where I'd taken some time off and did stuff around the house. I listened to like hours and hours and hours nice. and hours. And it was the most real talk. It was just real talk. Mm-hmm. And it was freeing. It was freeing. Yeah. Real talk that's free. You know, it reminds me of an article I was I was reading at a friend's house maybe five years ago. Um, it's funny how we have these memories of reading. Reading such a special thing. You feel so held. Um, yeah. I was reading about uh, someone who is a writer uh, did a cross-country road trip and like listened to all the local like talk radio stations. A lot of them in the U.S. If you're going through the middle of the country, no disrespect to Ohio, no disrespect to the Midwest. I love it there. <laughs> I love everywhere in the U.S. I've I've been to 42 of the 50 states. Um, I've done several long road trips, two two week ones and one seven week one. Whoa. Anyway, um, he talked about going and listening to, you know, what ends up being the talk radio is either religious or political, which of course are the two exciting things to talk about as human beings, religion and politics, the things that are supposedly off limits, uh, (laughs) at family dinner tables. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of people who make a life of talking and, I mean, I think eventually you feel like ideology is like a a layer to like to burn through to then get to maybe commonality because it's just like a nicer place to rest. Like left and right politically, I, I think we ultimately all want the same things. We might just have different language, different fathers, different neighborhoods growing up, different church, different state, different different goals. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in, in Silicon Valley and in the nineties and, you know, all about high performance, do perfect school sports, extracurriculars, your whole existence is meant to end in a college application to get into a top 25 school and parents existence is about, well, make 130k, make 200k, make 400k to be able to spend. You know, when I went to private high school, you know, twenty thousand was astronomical a year for private high school. Now I think they're forty five. Mm. Um, which you know, those numbers instantly trigger people who don't live in those stratospheres, which is understandable. Um. And I don't know. I mean, it makes me want to like say, like, you know, go back to the poet, to the mystic, to the real religious figure. You can kind of ascend and descend uh, and talk to people of all different levels, right? Um, From the fine, fancy, multi-course meal in a big city to I'm going to go get a deli sandwich or salad and go sit on the bench and eat it which is what I've done a lot of here in Washington Heights, in Manhattan, in New York City. Um, Being with people in the street, in the delis, in the pizzerias late night. Um, But then I can also go to the Museum of Modern Art and talk about Picasso and Basquiat and Van Gogh. And it's like, I sort of like to to mix being a comfortable poet and street poet, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can access my, you know, went to UCLA, worked here, worked there, have heard this, can reference that. And like the very humble, I'm not above anybody and nobody is lesser 
And actually everybody is my superior in some way. Um, which is kind of a way of being like post rank. It's like, I'm, I'm beyond hierarchy, which is a liberation in a sense. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, I like go back into my internet self performance and like rage against hierarchy and identity. And it's like, I'm trying to like break it through for everybody. Like I'm trying to reveal the falseness of the distinction between people. It's almost like I'm trying to, to, to dismantle ideological separation and make us all permanently on the same team because I want healthcare. I want my housing insecurity solved. I hate living in fear. I've lived in fear for too long and I don't want to do it. And I don't like looking out and seeing others scrambling for it. So the, the thing for me to tie in two themes, everyone finding their spot, like Bill Murray talked about developing their taste and then this idea of what upsets us and raging and, and for you others to find security, um, you know, having coached people over the years in so many different positions from like accounts payable to the CEO and literally everything in between, uh, giving, uh, you know, you can learn from anybody like you're saying, but you, you do see where each person kind of can develop their vision, their, their taste for how things need to be done, whether it's accounts payable or, you know, uh, entrepreneurial CEO who really has to go out and make a market strategy happen out of nothingness and, and all the parts and pieces in between. And so, so for me, what's powerful is if I'm engaging people in that humble way, they will oftentimes express their passion and rage to me about what they want to see in the world as if I also carry that passion equally. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I become a mirror in the moment to them and I'm reflecting back without even saying a word, what is, what is something that they're wanting to, to see, you know? And I think that for me is like, there was such a pharisaical approach that I had in my twenties where it's like, I have to, I have to open your mind. I have to show you the way. I also have to make sure you go all the way with me. We can't be satisfied with a two yard improvement you know, we have to go all the way to the end zone. And uh, what is so exhausting about that is that crusade it puts me on. And what I'm trying to do in my own world now is find what are the true mountains for me to climb? Because if I'm not careful, the mountain becomes a molehill, right? Uh, and, and helping just others like figure that out and know they're going to be different. Um, now that doesn't mean none of that is to diminish, I think what you're at, which is such a massive thing. And the bigger, the cause like food and housing security, the, the harder, the battle, the more of a dip to find the way that you're going to impact people and help them and, and, Mm -hmm. and move the needle. Uh, it's almost like the problem you're trying to solve is equal to the desperation you're going to go through. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, those well, seem yeah. to be correlated. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, I think desperation is the start. Desperation is the end. I mean, it's fun. It's funny to, to, to think about cycles. And it's like, this goes back to taste, which goes back to being an infant 
which goes back to the infant mother relationship, but also really, really to the, you could even say the, the, the mother seasons relationship, right? I think, mm-hmm. I think the earth goes through its seasons, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, like music has a design and music is, you know, goes to the, the, the heartbeat often, right? Yeah. Music has a beat. Um, that, that is my like favorite book that I, or let me say the people of the books that I've written, it's the one that I, that people buy the most without me trying. And it's a book on the seasons. So because the thesis of this book for me is there's two important questions. Who are you and where are you? And we take for granted that we know either of those. <laughs> and so this one is dedicated to, to who you are or to where you are, excuse me. And yeah. it's endlessly a, applicable. Nature is teaching us how to cooperate with what's unfolding. Because when you're in a place like you and I are talking about, where you have some desperation for a revelation, um, throughout human history, you get what you look for, right? People deprive themselves of food and sleep and have a vision. Um, These are ancient rituals that have been practiced for thousands of years. But why last night? In my wake dream state, did I remember something that was so life-altering for me at 18 with such clarity? Like it was just a fresh thing, like it just happened or it was just happening. And then I wake up out of that dream and go, am I living with that same kind of purity today? You know, The same kind of purity? Purity, not in a pharisaical purity, like I was talking about earlier, but a purity of crowding all the distractions that would crowd out me obeying what I know is in me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like, that's another fit. I mean, I think obedience along with belief, I think are two. I, I mean, I feel like all my, my work and writing and reading and thinking and striving and moving around the country and meeting people and meditation and morning pages and singing, like it all, it all leads to, obedience and belief and yeah having to to forge a new language of my own mind and my own awareness to just get through the day and like let my fear of not leaping into action to go oh my god i gotta go solve i gotta go turn my fear into uh, a website where i have product and service and i gotta name it and i gotta circulate it and i gotta push the button and go foot on the gas to save me, to fill the hole, to fill the fear of not having money. Because really that's just another, it's just a trigger. It's just some fear hit my edge. And, you know, I have to, to dare and I have to, to resist. And it's less resisting myself. And now it's like, well, now every other man I talk to, for example, first line of questions, how's it going to make money? What's the value? What's the product? What's it doing? You know, and it's all, it's like, what you're asking me really is justify your existence because I haven't justified mine and I don't want to tell you that. Yeah. That, that was a huge barrier for me that people put up in front of me doing what I do. It's like, well, nobody's asking for identity <laughs> coaching. Right. And I'm like, well, I know that's why, I, you know, <laughs> and then they're like, you got to get on LinkedIn. You got to get business cards. And uh, 
I did. I was like, I don't want to do those things. You know, I didn't get on LinkedIn until like a year ago because I wanted to. I remember. And I don't want to do those things. And so here's the way that I think about it. Actions I take, and you could combine those actions into a product. Actions I take or products I make out of cortisol are shit. More often than not. There's something about the packaging and positioning that's just off. When I make it out of serotonin, it's got that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So for me, it's learning to try to pay attention to the emotional and mental state I'm in. Whoa. Dude. What's happening? I mean, you, you're talking about the essence and, and what the filling of those products and services really is. And when it's done out of fear, I mean, there's this idea of like a heat signature. I like this yeah. idea a lot where it's like you, you put your chemistry into the thing you're doing. And, you know, professionalization is interesting, right? Again, and I'm, I'm taking a, a way, way U-turn. I'm changing Let's this into a UFO. Um, no wrong notes, baby. <laughs> yeah. So I like baseball metaphors. I love, I love baseball as a set of mental models. So mm. feel free to cut this off quick if it doesn't resonate with you or, or the audience. But like professionalization means that it doesn't matter what kind of emotions you bring into it, whether it's fear, love, hate, resentment, envy, joy the 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 event of a hit in baseball or a pitch in baseball it's that it's you can't tell by looking at the facts what the emotions are made of because in because mm-hmm. in a sense the the medium of baseball it it strips out words and it just makes it objective facts mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if you hit that baseball out of rage or out of love the ball left the bat at a certain speed. It flew a particular trajectory. It went a certain amount of feet and the runner ran and they made it from home to first, you know, like you can zoom in on every little act and it's like, it's just fact. It's, it's, it's not about the, the chemical makeup of it when it comes to, to viewing baseball in terms of winning and losing and that game and that season. Um, but maybe artwork, creative work, heart work, soul work, interpersonal work of different mediums um, is different because the act screams out with its programming, right? Like yeah. just like just like an organization is uh, the self-replicating DNA of its founders, right? And and an organization really is just the the dna of that founder just a self-replicating prophecy it grows up in the form of the seed much like a child may be the perfect spawn of mother and father and it's like the child reveals to mother and father what they've been all along like child as mirror mm-hmm. almost like a a company becomes a mirror of the founders who started it and it's yeah. like well you're not going to get a company that's anything but yourself Right. Just like it said, it's like you only become more of yourself as you get older. Like you remain that core childhood self. You just become, it just becomes clearer and less, less avoidable. Yeah. (laughs) I I can't hide the soul. You end up uh, like, I think about like, like softwood and hardwood trees, like how much harder it is to have an oak. Uh, And 
you know, there's I think there's plenty of places to use the Nietzsche Kimmel lion child progression. There's plenty of places in artwork where the lion art, and I think you have a voice in this that is very powerful, uh, that the lion art helps people tear down the camel burdens and shuck them off and find the next step of freedom. But I think when it comes to building an institution, okay, and you have to be honest, if you're building a family or a team or anything, that is an institution. That is something that begins to develop a a culture. What you have to be aware of in that place is if I'm building out of this lion energy, what unites us is a rage that we end up uh, building a gospel out of tearing down, which is what you can see on both extremes of politics right now, extreme left and extreme right. And so what I'm trying to pay attention to in my own life is what I'm doing, what I'm making, what I'm enacting, what place is it coming from? Because I was that guy at college that was like going to, I went to Egypt and we went to buy rugs and we went down into this place to buy rugs. And I snuck away into the basement because I knew what was happening and children were lining the walls, making rugs, fingers covered in orange medicine. I went back to the bus. Literally, I still remember this, Jeff, so clear. Sat on the bus and just cried and wept as my friends got on the bus, jovial, happy, having bought bought rugs. Well, here's the moral dilemma there. Those kids were actually happy to have that work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and... and so I'm not justifying it. I couldn't buy a rug. It was messy. And so then you put me on a college campus at that age, dude, I would burn you to hell. I don't even believe me, but you know what I'm saying? I would look at your shoes because you bought Nike shoes, you know, and I had all the answers and it was very clear. And, and so for me, what happens is in institution building, when you're doing something that is a collective group of people more than just yourself and artistic expression, if it's you can build a brand or company out of fear or hate, as they say, but you got to build it out of love. Because even if you build it out of love, you know, if you build it out of fear or hate, they're going to take it farther than you ever imagined. It's going to be dangerous and terrible. Even if you build it out of love, they can still do that. I mean, look at like religious leaders, you know. At no point do I imagine Jesus was like, okay, only dudes can lead. Uh, you got to pay to get some things forgiven. Or give to the building fund. Um, you know, I could caricature that all day long. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, at every level, institutions drift towards formalizing a code and a set of rituals so that the institution is served by the individual rather than yeah. serving the individual. So for me, where my passion in the world exists, the notes that I'm playing. It is about institutional transformation. Like that's really the the core idea. Yep i i I was rereading my what was my my book from like 2014 2015 um, that I wrote my first time here in New York. Um, a lot about the ad agency I worked in, um, and. I remember connecting with a guy who was older than me, who was in another organization, um, who I had some really good chats with. And I, you know, as I did with many important um, relationships with older people, uh, 
then I took a lot of notes and I copy pasted the chat transcripts and revisited them and reconstructed, deconstructed, smashed, rewrote. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said one thing, he says, there's a gravity toward average as you grow. And that really stuck with me. And I think it resonates a lot with what you just said about um, individuals serve the institution rather than other way around. Makes me think about John F. Kennedy, president of the United States, named many things here in New York City, including the airport. Um, You know, don't ask what you can do for your country. No, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And this gets into East versus West, individual versus collective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's it's tough. I mean, I, I wonder a lot about computers, laptops, and smartphones. They sort of make you the, the center. And I wonder if individuals today have gotten lost because we've found, we've gotten so far away from the sweet old things. We've gotten so far away from the tribe and the fire. And now it's like we're in grocery stores and we're like, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm in your way. It's like, I think people apologize too much. People say sorry too much, but it's probably, it needs to be redistributed. Yeah. You know, our, our thank yous and I'm sorry's need to be redistributed. And, you know, I mean, that takes seeing yourself as an arbiter of the culture rather than waiting for some father or mother or grandmother or grandfather to correct the rules. It's like, you need to be the one. Yeah. So it's a both and reality. Mm-hmm. Of of am I cutting you off or am I just finding that right moment of rest in between the notes? No, I mean it reminded me of this thing Mahatma Gandhi said is like first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And I feel like I'm at step number three because people don't like what I have to say because it's probably right and probably true. And people I think kick and scream and resist against things where there's uncertain outcome. Yeah. You know, and I, I think creativity itself and I think questioning itself is, is it's going to itch your fear guaranteed because it's the realm of uncertain outcome because yeah. the certain outcome that we're on track for is very, very uninhabitable. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this fits perfect for me with a quote you sent that I want to read because it's so freaking amazing from Henry Miller. Uh, to be cured, we must rise from our graves and throw off the ceremonies of the dead. Nobody can do it for another. It's a private affair, which is best done collectively. Like that's so wild how he, the way he juxtaposes the East and the West here, right? The East, it's about the group, the West, it's about the individual. And so you said that you, this was in the quote, we must die as egos and be born again in the swarm, not separate and self-hypnotized, but individual and related. Mm-hmm. Let me let me play right into another Henry Miller quote that I love that relates from a book of his called Big Sur, S-U-R, in California, and the Oranges of Hieronymus Bosch. Mm-hmm. It says, the ideal community, in a sense, would be the loose, fluid aggregation of individuals who elected to be alone and detached in order to be at one with themselves and all that lives and breathes. It would be a God-filled community. Even if none of its members believe in a God, it would be a paradise 
even though the word had long disappeared from our vocabulary. So for me, this is uh, what I find I enjoy at the deepest levels. There's a little thing in my brain, like, don't talk about this, Chris. And so the jazz notes are coming. Um, the, The contemplative, the imaginative, the mystical, all of the mix of that, uh, it's a me and a we consciousness. When I am in my most relaxed, secure state, I feel the power of my individual, you know, self, and I feel the connected whole. And and those are not rigid boundaries, but permeable boundaries that I can flex and flow with as needed. In that world. There is no offense, but I'm also not some spineless amoeba with no center and meaning. It's it's the flex and the flow of that. And um, what a fun place to live, man. I was watching uh, with Desmond Tutu passing, you know, the priest in South Africa that was beside Nelson Mandela as they walked the country through uh, the dismantling of apartheid significant religious figure in Christianity and then uh, the Dalai Lama. And there's footage of both of them like joking with each other. And it's amazing. It's so beautiful how they care for each other, how they love each other, how they were picking on each other as old men. Dude, it's like you could see it. They are so beautifully their own and connected to the whole. It's possible. And we have to earn it again, relax yeah. into it again, live it again, yeah. every, every generation, every day. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to use that, that Miller quote of like throwing off the ceremonies of dead, it's like, well, I, I then sink back to my lowest common programming of, okay, I have a resource problem. I have a strategy problem. I have a copywriting problem. I have a personal branding problem. I have a communication problem. It's like you, you sink back down to problematizing. And it's like, well, that may just be the cerements of my dead, right? That might just be my own fossil record that I need to, I mean, it's like coming, it's like walking and then falling down. It's like, well, I guess I got to fall back down to my Western programming, my education, my experience, my, my parents, my family, my society. It's like, well, I, I need to get better. I need to get better, but it's like, you can only go one step and then fall down. You, you try to stand up and you fall down and it's like, well, eventually you just get sick of your rock bottom. And it's Dude. like, I'm tired of, of, of problematizing. And it's like, well, here comes the scream. Here comes the scream. And it's like, well, you got to let the scream come. I thought I was done screaming in, in 2015, you know, seven winters ago. I thought I was done screaming. I don't know. Dude, I, uh, that is, such a powerful theme in my life has been this will be the month, the week, the day, the year that I'll get there. Whatever there is, the perfect calendar, the perfect motivation, <laughs> the, the income that I want to, you know, whatever. It's just, and and this is everything we're talking about because people are so exhausted from that on the Western side of things that I, I was watching a YouTube video somebody had sent me and I actually meant to send it to you uh, and something made me forget. So I'm going to write that down right now to send it to you. Uh, send video to Jeff. So I'll do that. But point of that is this video, it's like 
um, this person is just talking through her experience of non-duality. You know, it's like, there is no there. It's all a character. It's an illusion. This snow, you know, and you can tell she is fulfilled and she's helping people like in the YouTube comments or whatever. Awesome. Why is that happening? Because a diet in the West mm-hmm. of continual, there is a there, there. And when I get there, it'll finally be better. Mm-hmm. You go to this other extreme where you're just exhausted and it's almost easier to be like, ah, it's all an illusion. However, because I've coached people from the East, you grow up in that and you are actually attracted to, oh, I can make something happen in the world. I can advance, you know, all of these things that we find extremely distasteful. So there's this symbiotic electric middle to use a concept we've talked about before, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to balance two ideas. I'm not picking an extreme. I'm living in the electricity. They both create a me and a we consciousness. It's this both end. Um, and, and, we're just we're starving for it on both extremes, and I don't, and we always have, right? You and I are like fleshing out uh, things that Alan Watts fleshed out in different ways of saying it. I'll read that Fitzgerald quote just because I I received it from another. You know, this was in this was coming up on on ten years ago now um, when I really started to grasp what it is to be a writer and wanting to do it. And I received this from a man who was in his 40s and he had bylines and had gigs and was doing it and was known um, as Scott Fitzgerald. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. That, that quote means so much to me. It's the opening quote to the key book, key program we do called Figure That Shift Out. That quote is right there. Like, oh, you're going to read this book? This is, this is what we're going to do. I mean, for me, there's three key values that everything is built around. S-E-E, step uh, into the tension. You know, that's a part of this idea. You have, or engage the tension, excuse me, engage the tension, step into this now, engage the tension, encourage vulnerability. But all the good stuff, all the good stuff happens in the in-between, the borderlands, the limbo. Transformation happens in the tension. And, And how do you know you're missing a moment of transformation because you're going to something to grab a hold of with, you know, A, a more certain position. Yeah, I mean, I I, I worry for myself. I, I worry for me in in five years when I have to keep living with realizing there is no future. There is no other distant place. Like we're all walking. Like we're all walking. Um, but eventually it's like, we're all sheep in a herd walking and all I see in front of me is another sheep, butt in front of me. 
And it's like, we all have this idea of a shepherd, that there's someone up there leading us. But then eventually you, you keep going long enough and it's like, wait a minute, like, how is there a shepherd? Oh, crap. Oh, I just fell down the hole. Oh, boy, there is no shepherd. It's all just a shape. It's all just a shape and a story. Oh, Lord, we're going deep. We're going thousands of years down the spiral. Woo! Woo! And I said, wait, am I? Or are we still here? Where is here? Can you remind me where we're going? Who, wait, wait. I forget. Can you, can you do me a favor? Remind me who I am and where I am? I, I think I forgot for a second. And then they're, they're another unreliable narrator, just like you. And it's like, oh, we can't know if there's a shepherd. There might not be one. No one's ever seen him or whoever saw him is dead. And the words are written down unreliably by another unreliable person like me. Ooh, people are so unreliable. How? And the children like suspect it. The children love to make fun of their parents and the teachers and the elders. And they see through the game. And, and yet they can't fend for themselves. So somehow we keep the others alive out of generosity, out of hope, out of shame. Are we ashamed that we realize there is no shepherd and we have to be the shepherd? And it's like, well, I guess that is what death is. You get older, you, you, someone has to be responsible. Um, you eventually have to find your place and you speak whatever you speak and yeah i think for me the way that i articulate this and feel it and live it and experience it is and it started to show up okay i got to whisper this when i used to be a pastor um <laughs> and i was like because I was, I would try to teach about like marriage or something. Go, you know, Jesus isn't going to come rub my wife's back. <laughs> Can you rub my shoulders? I don't feel like, mm. it, you know. Uh, so, yeah. so it's this dual reality of like you're not going to be rescued. Exactly everything you're saying, and at the same time, mystically, unexplainably, I'm surrounded by too much that it's like. But there is something there. There's a book called Flip that's amazing, by the way. Um, that's a separate topic. So let me play another note. The two places that are that what we're talking about are captured deeper than anything I know of. One is a poem by a 12th century Buddhist that could be translated being time. Mm. And this is a this is a book on that poem a great translation of it. Um, but really the goal when we say to just be present, what comes up so vacuous in that is there's so much to the moment, you know, and, and it's like being at the ocean. There are the waves coming and it's the anticipation of the waves and foot in the water and the sand. And, da, da, da. and so the whole thing is this, you can't separate time from personhood. So we have a 12th century Buddhist teacher mm. that has the deepest thoughts I've ever read on this, except there's one other place. This is weird, man. It's actually freaking in the Bible. And, and I have seen this. I've seen people just like when, when I talk about this idea, not know how to interact with it. 
So they're arguing about what leaders they're going to follow. How does this not fit with what we're talking about institutions, yeah. right? Yeah. They're arguing about what leaders are going to follow. And the writer in that letter says this. Hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter who you follow. And then he says a phrase, Jeff, that's bananas. He says, all things are yours. Now, the phrase that people would think of at that point, they would go, yeah, 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 and associate it with religious stuff. All things are yours. And then he says this, Mm -hmm. the present, the future, cosmos, Greek word for all, life and death, Greek word for all the existence of the universe. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the most old new age statement right Mm. and so i i think there's like breadcrumbs everywhere for this stuff Mm -hmm. and i love your command of so many people's voices that have walked through it and and some of the if people listen to any of your early episode earlier episodes you know i've i've talked about your adeptness there uh it's amazing and no doubt comes from you capturing all the notes of your mentor and dude madman game recognizes madman game <laughs> because i have yeah. a spreadsheet of like hundreds of entries from yeah. mentors and and cooking them down and yeah, dude I'm, we've all got those spreadsheets we've all got those notes right and it's and it's amazing again to come to this courage session with you here and realize you know what in all my time spent apart from this space we have me battling through my computer, trying to close the gap between me and financial security and being okay and perfect calendar, perfect motivation, perfect expression, perfect understanding, getting that audience, getting that client, getting enough, whatever. It's like, we all have these notes and they all rhyme and we have nothing but time to edit, to view, to comment, to share, to listen, to gather again, to hear how we should be different. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to flow into a, a 20th century German poet named Bukowski with a poem called no leaders, please, based on what mm. you said, no leaders, please invent yourself and then reinvent yourself. Don't swim in the same slough, invent yourself and then reinvent yourself and stay out of the clutches of mediocrity. Invent yourself and then reinvent yourself. Change your tone and shape so often that they can never categorize you. Reinvigorate yourself and accept what is, but only on the terms that you have invented and reinvented. Be self-taught and reinvent your life because you must. It is your life and its history and the present belong only to you. That's hitting all the buttons, man. I am writing it down, and that is going to – I have a um, – I, I don't like to reveal some of these secrets too often, but I have something that's cooked up in me as a, as a book on reinvention, and that's going to be the opening poem. Dude, <laughs> I, I'm high on my own supply, you know? I'm like – I recognize the audacity of like feeling and – assembling and disassembling these things and being like, I'm going to make it a book. (laughs) I mean, but like, I mean, again, like you're, what is it? 10 years ahead of me? I forgot. Uh, 44. So not your nine, you're nine years ahead of me. Um, I mean, I'm going to be where you are Hmm. and you're still going to be in the game. Yeah. 
you know, like you still got a, you know, a nice pretty face. Listeners can't see it, sadly, unless <laughs> this video somehow makes it out into the world, which I think maybe it could, since our our expressions while we're saying these words are are great. And the fact that I can see your face while we're doing it is has been awesome. Um mm. it would be different if it was just audio, right? Or if it was like confession booth where it's like you only see like a blurred kind of kind of vision, like kind of version, kind of pixelated, kind of like light and dark, yeah. kind of speckled with, with, with sight and not. Um, I mean, to me, that goes right back to the, to the sheep shepherd metaphor of like, do we see clearly, you know, we've quoted, we've quoted Wittgenstein before on this, uh, on this show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he says the, the hardest thing is to not deceive yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've kind of reached that point now where, you know, the things necessary to do real art and poetry and philosophy and cultural criticism is, is to have a very wide perspective and sort of to become the most detached and distanced and furthest from the tribe is necessary. Like mm-hmm. I've, you know, after years of following people closely on social media, reading a lot, reading a lot, listening a lot, I've kind of gone to, well, I'm going to unfollow everyone and only check in periodically through lists, through rereading messages, through choosing to selectively read one person's tweets or posts from the last, you know, few days, few weeks, just, just to keep my life in sync with others going through linear time. But it's very, very minimum viable. Um, because it's like, well, I have to trust what's what I've put in my heart, right? I've, I've probably consumed enough, you know, and again, one of the great poets, Rainer Maria Rilke, who is just a, a huge force in, in poetry. He says, the work of the eyes is done. Now go do the heart work on the images imprisoned within you. Right. You've got everything you need, Chris, on your computer, in your spreadsheets, in your documents, in your quiet, whispered, this is from when I was a pastor. Uh, like, like, like between the information on your computer, the shame and fear in your heart and mind, and the other people's computers and the shame and fear in their heart and mind, you have enough. Mm-hmm. It's actually inevitable what's going to happen because we you're you're in the same boat as I am, right? We're, we're out of the woods, but we're into a new woods. <laughs> and it's like, well, the only thing to do now is reinvent ourselves and reinvent ourselves year after year and somehow put ourselves in order with nature, which is another thing Henry Miller says. It's like, it's like we have to stop trying to put nature in order with us. It's like, no, 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 no. Look back further in the record and see that the only way people survived is to they put themselves in order with nature. Yeah, And so if we are creators, if we are the poets and artists and musicians, we know we are, We've because de- we've decided we are. We've ruled out all other options. We can't go back. <laughs> we left the shore. We're in, we're in the dip, and it's like, well, we're, we're at the, the worst part of the mountain, and it's like, I'm just clawing, clawing, clawing. Brother, I see you clawing. I don't think we can stop clawing. Um, too, too far in now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that like, I have no... It's not like I have to wake up every day and make this commitment. There are times, but it's like I've already burned the boats. I'm already <laughs> so far in on this path. And and that doesn't mean there's regret there. It's actually the opposite. And and I wonder 
how you might resonate with this emotion. So for me, the way I think about it is the more significant and wholesome the contribution, the more painful the cave. Unless you got lucky, right? I don't know the origin story of five love languages, but like what a wholesome tool that's helped so many people. Uh, did he have a stroke of genius or, you know, came out of pain, whatever. I should look that up. But for most people uh, that are going to make a wholesome, significant contribution, it's equal to the pain of the cave they're going to go through. Now, that doesn't make me a martyr at all. I don't feel that way at all. You say, Bob, because the payoff is good. I, I can also say I don't feel addicted to the payoff or the achievement. It's, it's right. the integration of the discovery. That for me is like, uh, not the discovery, the integration of the discovery. Um, it probably is a little bit like how somebody feels weightlifting a ton, sculpting and shaping their body. To know that every bit of my ego, every bit of my insecurities serve my transformation. The transformation of what oh, become. Oh my goodness. Like that is, that's, that's the, the joy of it, man. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of something uh, Susan Sontag said is like, I'm only interested in people engaged in a project of self-transformation. Ooh. Um, I also want to read another thing about sea urchins, which sounds totally left field, but we are in jazz sessions. Sea urchins live in two phases. First, roam around freely then settle down somewhere on the floor of the ocean and never move again. The second phase starts with their digesting their own brain, metabolically expensive, full of nutrients, and useless now. Mm. And the person who said this said, that's someone with tenure. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with status and having a, a desk, right? I, you know, who, who knows whether I would you know, not give up my freedom, but, but find a way to integrate. See, this is where, you know, integrity is such an important concept to me. And I've, I've, I've cited James Baldwin before he talks about the, the artist's struggle for integrity and how that's like the key metaphor. Um, you know, I think one goes from a student of integrity to an integration engineer, which reminds me a lot of, of some of the, the roles in tech companies and startups that I recruited for in my, uh, you know, brief, but meaningful and impactful tech recruiting career, 2015 to 2018, um, an integration engineer. And it's like, well, the very material that we're going to use is insecurity. And in a sense, you need to use up all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, We've thought about, talked about form for a long time and also, you know, product and publishing and, you know, my next book. It's like, well, the fact is it's January 10th. This quarter ends March 31. It's like, well, you have to put everything you've got into what you're going to ship March 31, 2022. All of your insecurity, fear, hunger, pain, shame, want, wonder, dreams, anguish. You got to somehow digest that whole brain because you know, it's a fear brain. You know, it's a cortisol thing. You, you, you just have to dump it out and, and let it sit there and even dare to delete it <laughs> because you know that actually the, the point of writing and publishing is, is not for the product. 
but it's to do the next thing. It's, it's oh God, I've unburdened myself. Now I can actually say the thing. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I love, I mean, that is exactly what it feels like. Um, the next book matters more to me than the one that just came out. And, you know, it's, uh, dude, I'm, I'm shook in a good way by that. And it's, it's left me swirling. And so I'm just playing some notes all over the place and I'll, I'll land the moment by playing this note. Um, our gift to others isn't about what we've perfectly calculated it's it's what we do on April first, which April yeah. Fool's Day <laughs> on Tandres. So so the March thirty first ship occurs, and then oh, it never goes like we thought. So what are we doing April first? Um, and that's the momentum, you know. That's the that's the rhythm. That's the joy. Because I've lived my life for so many times. For this March thirty first will fix everything. It's <laughs> never it's never happened. Um, because everything doesn't need to be fixed. You know, it's, it's the turning of that flywheel. I look and see a progression and I'm grateful for it, but it did come out of, it came out of nothing. You know, the years I had a website and like nothing, you know, I could go on and on. It's bananas for you where you're at. People have heard this, uh, GP Lewis on the socials, uh, they need to come close to your flame. They need to let it burn mm. and singe them some. Mm. And if I could speak for people listening, and I don't pretend to be able to do that, but I know there's got to be at least one other person who feels the same. You know, we want to see what you weave together with all of this. You know, mm-hmm. make make a blanket for us to be warm <sighs> with. Yeah, and I I I think I've I've maybe gotten past ego. Now, this is laughable for anyone who knows me personally and who is another receiver of many direct messages like you've been. Um, they think, ha, 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 yeah, right. You being over ego, you are ego, you MFR. Um, <laughs> and it's like, but I think I finally realized that I, I can't product, service, market, brand, superiority, cool my way out of having to bear this winter that we're on. And I finally realized that nothing is better than surviving it to April 1st because it'll be spring. And dude, it is hell right now. It is hell right now. Now, I'm not the first one in winter to say this. You know, the last few hundred winters have been hell for any number of, of folks. And... um. Yeah, making it to April first sound, sounds like light years away. Seems very far away from here. When it's when it's not cold, rainy, snowy, uh, broke, scared, desperate, long lines, no cavalry coming, no generous president helping anybody. So it seems professionals burned out, service people burned out, everything backed up, bad, 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 scarcity, scarcity, hunger, fear, terror. Uh, it's April 1st seems light years away. Yeah. And I now see it's not about the success of a poem or a podcast or the next post. It's like, I don't even know who is the me who is surviving this. Because it's it's being stripped away. Yeah. I don't want to cut you off. Uh, 
so please interject back if I missed something, but the trunk in the in the winter, it looks like there's nothing happening, but the trunk is getting strengthened. The yeah. bark of the ego is getting stripped away because the core trunk is getting strengthened. And, you know, I don't say those from a place of lofty platitude, like any good in my life. One good summer moment came out of seven winter moments. It's like a seven to one ratio. And I do have some good summer moments right now, but I can show people the journals. Hell after hell after hell after hell of a winter moment. The difference between me and you, you posted online. And uh, that's why we just did this concert for everyone. The jazz sessions yeah. with GP Lewis we've, and we've, C-Mac. We've reached one hour on this. I, I can't believe we've, we've already done six or only done six. I, yeah, my, my sense of, of time has been stripped away because this like feels very eternal. feels very much like we're at the moment of two people encountering each other in a village, the moment before the Crusades... And it's like, we got to like organize and make a plan, have a manifesto and at least go, go try because as it is, I don't know how we're going to make it through this winter and thousands of years have preceded us a long line of ancestors. And it's like, well, we, we got to make them proud. And it's like, we got to keep it going. And so we have to be the ones we've been waiting for. Yeah. We are. We are the ones. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Let's let's give that quote one more props. We live in the world. This is how I process it. At the sacred, at the at the mundane, and everything in between. Because the sacred's in the money, where all is form and formless. It's just yeah. like it's both. It's always been both. So. Dude, for the people that came, thanks for listening to these courage sessions. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Dude, what a privilege. And uh, you know, I I I feel this. This is not hype, this is not carrot stick. Um, however it plays out. Um I want to be one of the people, no doubt there are others, who are saying. You've got something. Keep sharing it. It impacts us and changes us. Much love, everybody. Thanks for being here at the Courage Sessions. Peace.